Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from Jesus Christ our Savior and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to start out today with you in Mark chapter 2. And here, four men came to Jesus carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. And when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralyzed man lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there. They questioned in their hearts, Why does this man speak thus? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question thus in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to, to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, took up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Can you say that? We never saw anything like this. Today I'd like to talk with you about miracles. Things where we say, we've never seen anything like this before. You know the Bible is full of miracles, friends? Let me list just a few that this scripture says happened. God created the world in six days. A flood at one time came over the whole earth so that the tops of the mountains were covered. Fire and brimstone rained down from heaven upon Sodom and Gomorrah. A bush once burned with fire and was not consumed. A rod turned into a serpent and then into a rod again. The great Red Sea parted for the people to cross on dry ground. They had manna from the sky. People drank water from a rock. The sun stood still in the sky in the days of Joshua, almost an entire day. The sun went back ten steps on the sundial for Hezekiah. An iron axe head floated on the surface of the river. Daniel's friends served, survived a burning fiery furnace, and Daniel himself spent a night in the lion's den. Jonah was swallowed by a great fish only to come out alive again, having gone down to the depths of the sea, rising on the third day. And of Jesus, a star appeared in the east to guide the wise men to the Christ. He was born of a virgin, no human man father. Walked on the sea, come the raging storm with but a word, fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish, healed the blind, the sick, the lame, the deaf, the paralyzed, as we read. He raised the dead, and he himself was raised on the third day. Would you say the Bible is full of a few miracles, friends? <laughs> Things where we say we've never seen anything like this before. Amen. The Bible is full of miracles. And so today I'd like to talk with you about miracles in the Bible and our lives. Should we believe in them? Should we believe what the Bible tells us of these things? Uh, are they real? How do we answer a skeptic who scoffs at them and calls them nonsense? And does God work miracles still today? What's his purpose of them? And will he work one for you? 
Well, let's talk about miracles then today, what we need to know about them, and what God says to us about these wonders. Well, the first thing is, God says, is he reminds us, there are many people in the world who do not believe in my wonders. Amen? I met a guy at Publix, actually, not so long ago, and I tried to convince him to come to Jesus Christ for salvation. And you know what he said to me? He said, Greg, I can't believe in the Bible. Because in there, I know there's a story about a sea parting so that the people crossed on dry ground with a wall of water to the right and to the left. Do you expect me to believe something like that? That's a bigger fallacy and myth than any children's storybook. And so he left at the miracle and didn't believe on a it. it. Seemed ridiculous to him, and why? Because it was outside of anything he'd ever experienced before in his life, and it was outside of what he perceived to be the natural laws of how things work in the universe, right? He'd never seen like anything like this before, and so he says, never seen it, couldn't happen. And that's really the, many people respond to miracles in this way. Do you know, in fact, a lot of the saints in the Bible had the same response, reaction first to such miracles. Check out, for example, in Genesis chapter 18. Remember, Jesus and two angels appear to Abraham, and they say, uh, it says, um, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Sarah's in the tent, said Abraham. The Lord said, I shall surely return to you in the spring, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It has ceased to be with Sarah according to the manner of women. Way past menopause, way past childbearing years. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I've grown old and my husband and old, shall I have a pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a son now that I'm old? Note this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Have you ever laughed at some of the wonders that God seems to perform? You know, you're in the company of Sarah. She thought, is this, how is this possible? It doesn't seem possible. You know that even Moses sort of laughed, or at least had a questioning about how God was going to perform his hard promises to Israel? Remember that time when, when they were uh, hungry, and the people started to complain and grumble against Moses and the Lord? And they said, at least when we were slaves in Egypt, we had fish to eat, but all we have out here is this manatee gat. They grumbled. What was God's answer? He said, Moses said to the people, I'll give you meat. I'll give you meat, not just for one day or two days, five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you rejected the Lord who brought you out and wept before him and said, why has he brought us out of Egypt? But note it says in verse 21 here, uh, skipping to verse 21, what does Moses say? Moses said to God, the people among whom I am number 600,000 people on foot, Lord. And you have said, I'll give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? 
Watch this. The Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word shall come true for you or not. Isn't that fantastic putting Moses in his place? Moses questioned about the wonders of God. What did God do? God raised up a wind, uh, blew in quails from the seashore. They dropped all about the camp, and the people ate for a whole month. But meanwhile, the anger of the Lord raged against them because of their unbelief. They didn't believe his wonders. So have you ever disbelieved or wondered, how could these things that I read in here happen? Well, Sarah laughed. Uh, Moses questioned. And hopefully we don't, but perhaps we have. So what's God's answer to you, to me, to our unbelief? What's God's answer to the unbelief both of the saints and of the skeptics? Well, what does he say to Moses? And he says now to us, Is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. And as he said to Abraham, Is anything too hard for the Lord? <laughs> What's this teach us about miracles, friend? The question is all about power, right? That's what it really hinges on. Does God have the power to do things we've never seen before and never experienced before? Miracles and wonders that are beyond what we can comprehend or grasp as we think no things to happen. It's about power. And again, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? What's the answer to that question? No. <laughs> there ain't nothing he can't do. Double negative. I hope that was right. But uh, <laughs> he can do anything. Do you know he stretched out the stars? What then is impossible for him? Jesus said all things are possible to God. He said, uh, um, I am God, and also henceforth I am he in Isaiah. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can hinder it? Who's going to go up to God and say, No, God, you, you can't do this. It's too much. Who's going to hinder God's work? Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, it's you who made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and by thy outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for thee. That's my faith. I'm sure that's your faith. We believe that if God can create all things, surely he can do anything he wants with the things he's created. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. No trouble for him. Not a problem at all. And this is the line of honor argument I took with the man at Publix I was witnessing to. He said, Greg, you can't expect me to believe that the Red Sea could be parted and that people walk through on dry ground. That's nonsense. And so I said to him, well, and I use his name, do you believe that there is a sea? He said, oh, yes, of course, I believe that. I can go over and see it. So you believe that it can be created because we see it right there, right? He says, yes. I say, well, if you believe, which is harder for you? Which is the harder miracle, to create the sea in the first place, which is beyond dispute, or that you part it afterwards, once it's been made? He said, well, I guess it's harder to create it in the first place. I said, then if you believe a greater miracle, why is it hard to believe the lesser miracle that he should part it afterwards? And he had no answer for that. But we see evidence all around us of God's power, don't we? Uh, consider a child that's born in a mother. We see this miracle every day, and we take it for granted. Do you know that each and every one of you and me, I began as a single cell, a tiny microscopic cell in your mother, and yet in that one little tiny cell that you can't even see with the human eye has the uh, DNA genetic makeup to divide and divide and divide, and I'll go over here and make a liver, I'll make an ear with all of its 
uh, uh, special design. I'll make an eye, I'll make a liver, I'll make a heart. I'll grow up at just at the right time. You'll become sexually active. At just at the right time, your hair will start to fall out on the back of your head. I mean, all that is contained in a single tiny cell. That's a miracle. And yet we take it for granted. If the God who made this has the power to do that, what is impossible to him? We see it every day. Look at a rainbow in the sky, a perfect bow with every color that there is, all blending into each other, all distinct and yet in such a way that you can't tell one blends into the other and where one begins and another ends. That's a miracle given to Moses, to, to, to Noah, and still around today. Look at the stars. Do you know that our Earth that we're floating on at this very instant, this round blue globe in space is 93 million miles from the sun? Do you know that you can put our Earth, a million of them, into the sun? You can put a million of our suns into the star Deneb, so great is it in size and power? Do you know that we're floating and even our solar system is just one little speck in the midst of hundreds of millions of stars and hundreds of millions of galaxies as can be seen by the Hubble telescope? And I ask you, what kind of power does it take to create these kinds of things, which we see with our own eyes and can measure with scientific instruments? Amazing power. If God can do these things, why is it thought by any of you that anything is impossible to him? Lift up your eyes on high, says God. Who created these, the stars? He brings out the, all their hosts by number, calling them by name, and by the greatness of his might, not one of them is missing. Say praise be to God. I just got to say that. Praise, praise be to be God, God for his power. Surely the God who created the stars can do anything. So why are you worried whether he can help you with your next light bill? And the God who created man in the first place out of dust, can he not surely raise him from the dead? For as Paul said in Acts 26, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? And that's really one of the most amazing things, isn't it? To preach at a funeral. For me as a pastor evangelist, any of us to speak at a funeral. To share the things. And because at a funeral, like at Phyllis's last month, you have believers and you have people who never ever come to church and know nothing about God. That's such a great, I just salivate when I think about that, even though it's a difficult time. Funeral. Just think of the things they heard me say. The unbelievers. I said to them, Phyllis is not dead, but she's alive. She's not silenced, but she's rejoicing in heaven with God. This body that you see dead and undergoing corruption and returning dust I tell you, will be raised at the last day, imperishable, undefiled, and glorified, immortal. I tell you the truth, that she will inherit the world, that she is seated with Christ, will be seated with Christ in his throne, wear an unfading crown of glory, and shine like a sun in the kingdom of her father. Think about that from an unbeliever's perspective, what I'm saying at a funeral. This is way beyond, we've never seen anything like this before, and yet what do we know? God has said it. He has the power to do it, and he has the faithfulness to always keep his word, for he never fails his word. And so we believe great miracles as Christians. And so all miracles are ultimately of Christ and for Christ, which leads to another question. Why does God perform miracles? Why do we read all these things in the Bible? Well, sometimes for judgment. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, fire and rain, brimstone? 
or Korah's rebelling, where the earth swallowed up that re the rebellious family, or wonders worked in Egypt against Pharaoh, God says, the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for the very purpose of showing my power in you, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Sometimes for, say it, judgment. You're with me, right? Sometimes for mercy and love. Remember that Canaanite woman? Not even a Jew? I have a, I have a daughter who's possessed with a demon. Heal her for me. It's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, Jesus says, testing her. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs gather the crumbs under thy ma her ma their master's table. And Jesus then said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Sometimes for mercy, for compassion and love, God works a miracle of healing, and always for our salvation and deliverance of his people. The disciples were out in a storm at sea, Jesus asleep in a cushion. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? He rose and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And it settled down instantaneously. And they were filled with awe and said, and there was a great calm, and he said, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with awe and said, who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? He works through our faith for miracles. He even works apart from their faith to save their skins. And always for our good, and especially to promote Jesus, our faith in the gospel, and ultimately our eternal salvation. Amen? Amen. Have you seen a miracle in your life? I've seen a number of them in mine. Here's one. Where I was, as you know, in my earlier 20s, going astray off the path of Christ, I followed a Native American Indian teacher. Shaman, really. He was a sorcerer. He performed pretended signs and wonders, which I saw with my own eyes. I thought I could incorporate some of this into my Christianity. I was wrong. And uh, it turned out he was into the occult. He was a wicked sorcerer, and his symbol was the coyote. Well, when I repented of all these things and turned to Christ and was saved, uh, a couple days, two days after that, or a day or so after that, I went skydiving. And I was afraid, actually. Can this sorcerer affect something in the air so that I get a deadly accident and I'm not going to come home today? Well, Beth was with me, not married yet, just a friend, and she went to the car at this airfield in Maine and came back and came back and told me this story. She said, I saw this dead dog in the side of the road. And I, I told this lady, I said, shouldn't someone clean up this dog sitting on the side of the road? And this lady said, oh, no, honey. Uh, lady, that's not a dog. That's a coyote. And I took that as a miracle. Showing a, I mean, how often do you see that a day after you've repented from a guy who is uh, symbols a coyote, and he, uh, and what is this? What did this do? It was confirming in me my faith. Right, you're saved. You are in my hands. No one can snatch you out of my hands. You are eternally safe in Christ. And the miracles to show God's judgment against the evil teacher, for mercy and compassion, and to confirm me in my salvation. Praise God. How about that's miracle? Nell said how great she looks. Do you know that uh, just a little while ago, actually two days ago, she celebrated her 25th anniversary of that plane accident where her health went into the pits for 25, a quarter of a century, in suffering and pain. Why did God delay that miracle? Well, Paul says, we were utterly unbearably crushed. We despaired of life itself. We felt we'd perceive the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely on God who raises the dead. Do you think sometimes God delays miracles in your life when you're asking for one because he wants to get you to rely upon him? And then in the end, Paul says he delivered us from so deadly a peril. He'll deliver us 
On him we set our hope that he'll deliver us again and 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 again until we see his face. You know that God delays miracles sometimes to increase our faith? Consider, for example, at the Red Sea. God waited until they were surrounded by enemies and had no hope of the flesh, no help from any quarter. Then he appears and saves them with a mighty, thunderous parting of the sea. When did God save David? Goliath threw his sword. Then David slings the stone. Elijah was nearly starved to death. Then the ravens came and miraculously brought him bread. The woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. The paralyzed man at the, at the fountain, 38 years. The woman with the spirit of infirmity, 18 years. Beth, 25 years. God chooses the time for a miracle. Gideon was saved only when he had 300 men left against tens of thousands. God often seems too late for us, but his miracles come at the right time and according to our greatest joy and his greatest glory. Amen? Amen. How about this guy that says, my daughter is dying. Jesus, come quickly to my house. She's dying. And he gets a little interruption with a woman with a flow of blood, heals her. A guy comes and says, don't trouble the teacher anymore. She's dead. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Only believe. She'll be well. She's dead. Seems too late, God. You've, you've shown up way past schedule. He gets there. Tabitha, arise. Raises her up. Lifts her up. And saves her. Always at his timing to our greatest joy and his greatest glory. And Beth went to a Women of Faith conference uh, last November and said, you know, she wasn't even looking for any healing. She just had come to be content. And she, while she was praising God, she heard, I'm going to heal you. Now, we don't often hear God speak to us personally like that. She said, well, in this life or the next life, Lord, that's okay. I'm content. He said, no, in this life. And all weekend long, while she was praising God, she kept on hearing, in this life. In this life. This life. And she got home, and she was so excited. She said, I don't know what he's going to do, but he said he's going to heal me in this life. And it was on the third day after that, up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, self-diagnosed herself. After we had no hope left in terms of doctors, they couldn't find anything wrong. Then God shows up and says, I'm going to heal you. And she self-diagnosed and it turned out to be her problem. And she's now had her second surgery and on her way to being healed. Is that a miracle? Yes. yes. Amen. You know what sometimes our problem is? We want a miracle from God like a fireworks, right? Give me thunder and lightning on a cloudless day. Right? But you know, God works sometimes through ordinary means. Remember Naaman the Syrian? He has leprosy. He goes to, um, uh, I was getting confused, Elisha. And Elisha says to him, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. <laughs> Naaman's like, no, I want fireworks. This man should have, I thought he should have come out to me and stand over me, call in the name of his God, wave his hand over the place of the, and, and cure the leper. So he turned away, turned and went away in a fierce rage. He wanted fireworks. He's God saying, I'm going to heal in an ordinary way. Through the river, that is. And then his servants convinced him to go back. And he was washed and he was cleaned. Cleansed of his leprosy. Do you think God works miracles in your life in ordinary ways and sometimes you don't even know it? Yes. We got water. We got a baptism. Looks like an ordinary thing. Nothing really going on here. But you know what? He works through ordinary ways like he did with Naaman. Wash and be cleaned. 
And here we are washed, as it says, that Ananias said to Paul, Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. How about what we're about to do here? Is this going to be a miracle today? It looks like an ordinary thing. We do it every other week. But God has said, the cup of blessing we bless, isn't that a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break, isn't it a communion with the body of Christ? A miracle! God is going to perform in a few minutes. Preaching the word at this very moment. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. To the Jew first and the Greek. I preach to you Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead. Forgiveness of sins in his name. That's a miracle. Though it seems ordinary. And people would run from here and think, oh, there's nothing but old Pastor Greg preaching there. But this is Jesus speaking through Greg by his spirit to save your soul. And to give you an eternity with him. That's fantastic. And we know, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole world to show his might in behalf of those whose heart is blameless toward him. And he'll be faithful to you as your deliverer, and he'll do miracles, be they fireworks or through ordinary means, to deliver you at the proper time. Trust in him. He's faithful, and he can and will do it. So now, one more question. What's the greatest miracle of all? Let's think about that for a second. What's the greatest of all God's miracles? I'll tell you my opinion, okay? Is it that God created the world in six days? No, I think that's a great miracle. I don't think that's the best. How about that he floated an iron axe head on the water, on the river? No? How about that God himself, the universe can't contain, became a man, took on flesh? Fantastic, but I don't think that's even the best. Heal, that he healed a leper? That he raised the dead? That he himself was raised on the third day? What can top that? I'll tell you, I think all those miracles are great. But I think there's one that tops them all. And it's this. The love of God for sinners. The grace of God is the greatest miracle, as I see it. That God so loved the world of sinners, rebels, polluted, corrupted, depraved sinners... And he loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That, friends, is really beyond reason, really beyond comprehension, really beyond earth. Why would he love us that way? But that's a miracle. He says, but I do. And I've done it. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Are you a sinner? He came to save you in Jesus Christ and to raise you up. By grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing, but the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. Grace, I think, is the greatest miracle. And I want you to lay hold of that miracle of all today until we see his face and our wonder-working God, until all his words come to pass. And we're going to see this miracle. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.